Om Jnana Timirandhasya Jnana Shalakaya Chakshurin Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Glorify Srila Prabhupada, it may seem to be repetitive. We've heard that all before. How he struggled to go to America alone with no helper and undergoing all kinds of obstacles, gradually established the International Society for Krishna Consciousness. What's going on? Nothing's going on. Uh, and spread Krishna Consciousness all over the world. So the history is well known, at least among the followers of Srila Prabhupada. Don't put this in. We like to hear it again and again. Just as we like to hear about Krishna's pastimes again and again. We like to hear Krishna's teachings again and again. It doesn't become stale because these are uh, ever alive transcendental facts. Krishna is Satyadanandamai, eternal, blissful, uh, fully conscious, knowledgeable. So this material world, it is simply a perverted reflection of Krishna's spiritual world, which means that there's some uh, flicker of the Satyadananda nature, but it flicker. But uh, basically the nature is asat achit, nirananda, the nature of this material world is everything here is temporary, everything here is miserable, everything here is of the nature of ignorance. So something that gives pleasure does not continue to do so. It soon becomes stale. Uh, but in, this, in spiritual existence, uh, everything, because it's living, it's uh, sat, it's not dead or meaningless. Therefore, it, it continues to give pleasure. It's not subject to decay or depreciation. So, uh, hearing about Krishna, that is always pleasing to the devotee, even though we've heard many times, the past times, but we like to hear again and again. And similarly, the glorification of Srila Prabhupada it might seem, well, we've heard that all before, but we like to hear it again and again. If we don't like to hear it again and again, that means that we are not on the Satyadananda platform. The fault is with us. If we find Krishna consciousness dry, stale, or boring, the fault is with us, not with Krishna. Just like daily we have the program of the same temple program every day. And even the classes, it's... Similar subjects. But Krishna and Krishna conscious are always fresh. Therefore, even hearing the same subjects again and again, we feel refreshed by doing so. If we think we have to bring some new stories in or some new tricks in, it just suggests that we're not on the spiritual platform at all. We have to find something better than our previous acharyas gave. There's nothing better than what our previous acharyas gave, because they gave Krishna, and nothing is better than Krishna. We just sung the uh, 
kirtan composed by Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasvati Thakur, listing the names of the prominent acharyas in our sampradaya. And uh, it's more or less a list of names and just stating uh, in connection with each name that each was the considered himself the servant of the previous acharyas. So this song was written by uh, Sarswar Thakur, who presents himself as uh, very fallen and lowly, even though he is uh, exalted to an extent that we can hardly begin to imagine. Being covered by material consciousness, uh, we cannot appreciate the value of a devotee. And even uh, when we come to the spiritual platform, but still we find ourselves wholly incapable of appreciating the greatness of the great Acharyas. So uh, after the disappearance of Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasvatthaka, many of his uh, disciples started to offer initiation and uh, therefore in various uh, branches of the Parampara, which continued after Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, the last lines of this song are adjusted in different ways to glorify the uh, particular guru who is uh, initiating the group of devotees who are singing that song. But it's not that simply by giving initiation that one becomes on the level of the Acharyas who are mentioned in this song. There have been uh, many initiating gurus within the Gorya Parampara. Srila Bhakti Siddhanta following the uh, lead given in this regard by Srila Baladev Vidya Bhushan, he uh, traced out a parampara of the showing the prominent acharyas. So, uh, in one sense, all the gurus are equal because they all, if they're actually gurus, they speak the same philosophy and give the same teachings, although there may be some differences in details of instruction. But uh, it is not insulting to the god-brothers of Srila Prabhupada to state that uh, among them all, Srila Prabhupada was uh, preeminent, far, far more uh, prominent than all of them. This should not be stated in a manner uh, to just like, my guru is bigger than yours, but in this mundane attitude. But practically we see that Srila Prabhupada did far more than all, his God, all the rest of his godbrothers put together in fulfilling the desire of Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati uh, Just like I said just now that the followers of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati they they teach all the same thing with some, maybe some minor details in their approach. Minor differences of detail in their approach. Srila Prabhupada uh, of course, went to the Western world and preached Krishna consciousness. And uh, he, in, in many ways, what he did was 
different to what the rest of his god brothers did they were because they were preaching in india they were able to continue uh in more or less exact i mean at least in form if not in substance and spirit they were able to continue uh propagating and practicing krishna consciousness in more or less the same way that had been given by Srila Sarasvati Thakur. But Srila Prabhupada coming to the Western world found a completely different paradigm to that of the India he had lived in for uh, all his life up to that time. The circumstances were so different to those in India that before Srila Prabhupada's going, no one believed that he could have any success in establishing Krishna consciousness in the West. No one took him seriously. And, and this uh, Sumati Moraji and her sponsors, uh, sorry, and her, and her workers or her employees, uh, they didn't want to give Srila Prabhupada a passage to the West. It, it, uh, they, they couldn't take it very seriously. They couldn't understand why this uh, old man, he's retired to become a sadhu in Vrindavan. Why has he got this fancy to go to America? He says he wants to spread Krishna consciousness in America. It's, uh, it's a, it's an old man's, you know, it sounds, you know, like some quaint old uncle, nice old man with some, you know, some, Nice idea, crackpot idea, but you, know, you don't take that seriously. He can't even do anything in India, and then what's he going to do in America? And this way, no one took him seriously. And even when he went to America and started to establish something, then uh, he was writing letters back to India, but still no one took him seriously. Even when he, when he came back with a group of disciples from the West to India, uh, many People greeted Srila Prabhupada very enthusiastically. But many of his god-brothers and many Hindus, they still didn't take him seriously. He thought he's got a few hippies following him. They cannot be Hindus, they cannot be Vaishnavas. For them even to uh, attempt to do so is wrong. As late as, uh, first time I came to Hindus, 1976, so... As late as the uh, 76, 77, I often used to hear people tell me that you cannot be a Hindu, you cannot be a Brahmin, no, why, are you we- why are you wearing those clothes? And even though Srila Prabhupada was greeted enthusiastically uh, in many places when he came first time with a group of Western devotees, uh, he knew that people were not actually taking him very seriously. Therefore, he uh, made a plan to construct impressive temples in Mayapur, Vrindavan, and Bombay. He said that unless you do something substantial like this, uh, people will take you simply as dancing white elephants. Something nice and good, but nothing to take very seriously. And still, uh, many people, they don't take Srila Prabhupada very seriously. But actually, his establishing Krishna consciousness in the Western world, that in itself uh, 
shows that he's a very special devotee. There's no one else previously had been able to do that. Now, uh, for establishing Krishna consciousness in the West, Srila Prabhupada, uh, he had to make some adjustments. And uh, it has to be understood that Srila Prabhupada preached Krishna consciousness in a cultural environment completely different to that of India. Those devotees from India who have been to the West, they can understand, especially if you spend some time there, you can understand how very different it is from India. So, although it was uh, in one sense easy for the followers of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati to simply follow the same programs and the same methods of preaching that he had done so, uh, it wasn't so easy for Srila Prabhupada to do so. Uh, necessarily, he made various changes and adjustments. For instance, uh, allowing uh, women to live within the ashram, which is uh, unthinkable among serious followers of Vedic culture. Uh, then... Uh, he also engaged uh, women in temple deity worship. The uh, temple program, the early morning temple program, he made it uh, in many ways different to that of that in the Goryamat. In the Goryamat program, there are lots of singing in the morning and uh, no chanting japa, actually. They don't have a japa period. You just have to f- make chanya rounds whenever you can do it. So these are uh, some examples of the several adjustments Srila Prabhupada made for the sake of establishing Krishna consciousness in the uh, hostile environment of the Western world as as compared to the relatively favorable, yeah, it's relatively hostile environment of the Western world compared to the relatively favorable environment of India. So we find that uh, in the Gorya Mutt, uh, when we say the Gorya, the Gorya Mat, it means it's a generic term, which means there are many, many different organizations, but with one uh, notable or infamous, whatever you want to call it, exception, all the Mats, they all ag- agree on philosophical points and points of procedures. To a large extent, they all agree. The uh, differences between the reason that they split up into many branches and continue to split is over personal differences, not philosophical or procedural differences. Among the followers of Srila Prabhupada, there are uh, many differences over many topics, um, which uh, I ascribe to uh, two main reasons. One is the uh, basic uh, ignorance of many of Srila Prabhupada's followers of the uh, culture that Srila Prabhupada uh, came from and the, the philosophy, the philosophical ethos that Krishna consciousness is originally uh, propagated in. So the people in the Western world uh, and increasingly so in India also, uh, especially among the so-called educated class, 
they have a completely different way of thinking about everything. We are all conditioned so, but in various cultures there are various kinds of conditioning. So the cultural conditioning in India, we can say, is generally favorable for the cultivation of Krishna consciousness. But in the Western world, uh, it's not at all favorable, the, the culture. So devotees, even without knowing it, they, 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 the, their whole approach to Krishna consciousness is very much influenced by the uh, inculturation that they have. Just to give a small example, uh, if devotees speak about being reasonable, how do you say it? In, you see, you can't say it, because it's a Western concept. It's not an Indian concept. That proves the point. There's no word for it in the Indian languages. Normal? No, it's not normal. You see, it's in the Western world. Reasonable means that you should be... Uh, let me see. Well, I tell you what, let's look it up in the dictionary. It's a... It's an easy concept to understand, but maybe not to define. It's at least it's easy for me to understand. Reasonable. Please be reasonable and just wait. Be patient here. <laughs> okay, let's see what Sri Dictionary says. Okay, showing reason or sound judgment. There's the first definition. Showing reason or sound judgment. Okay, here's a good one. It, uh, when someone is reasonable, they behave in a fair and sensible way. But again, what is meant by fair and sensible is very much... Uh, subjective or uh, according to the culture that one is raised in. Sit like this. For instance, just to give an example, when uh, according to the Western way of thinking, uh, when Ramachandra Bhagavan repeatedly refused the uh, requests of Bharat and all the uh, inhabitants of Ayodhya to return to Ayodhya, it would seem that he was not acting in a reasonable way. The whole concept of being reasonable is based on a, an underlying uh, a template of the, of an, uh, the uh, supposition of democratic dealings. Everyone's more or less equal, and we how you behave is it's just some social norms of give and take. So if we talk about inferiority complex, for instance, it's just it's Jung, I believe, made that he analyzed that or whatever it is. So, but but we just presume that there is such a thing because Herr Jung said so. Or we, we might presume that if someone is behaving unreasonably, 
it's because of how they of their childhood experiences so that uh, one reason i see that uh, there's difference in the understanding between followers of shila prabhupada is well, one reason is because uh, the whole concept of guru mukha padmavakya chitate koriya aika arna koriha mani it's so foreign to the whole modern or western way of thinking so that's one reason i see that there are uh, differences between uh, devotees that one reason uh, one reason is because of a uh, lack of acculturation another or very similarly related is the idea uh, very common in the uh, western world and uh, increasingly so in india that everyone should have their own opinion about everything not only are you entitled to your own opinion but you should have your own opinion about everything otherwise you're just a fool unless you have inore different opinion to everyone else now sabrishe yasya matang bhinnam something like that and another reason which is again it's uh, interrelated that i see for differences in the uh understanding of of shila prabhupad's teachings is that shila prabhupad did make many adjustments to the uh, western ethos to the modern world and some devotees they think that these adjustments they should be continued forever or maybe taken even further and others say that after that shila prabhupad was just making adjustments to which are not meant to be uh perpetuated and that we should rather come to the uh original culture that krishna consciousness was uh practiced in so what's the solution to all of this i don't see that there's ever going to be uh among the followers of shila prabhad uh one opinion over the, the whole approach to krishna consciousness uh it's uh it's also arguable arguable that uh there doesn't have to be one approach that uh, some devotees within the uh, broad spectrum given by shila prabhupad some devotees may practice in a, a, a in a more lenient style you may say and uh encourage others to come to that lenient style and others may be more strict or more traditional to uh better understand the intentions of shila prabhupad uh we can take a clue from this song that we just sung in which uh bhakti siddhant sir tako says parampara jano bhalo mate understand very well what is parampara clearly uh, the parampara is cl- not just a list of names but who are the personalities and what did they teach and uh why did certain personalities emphasize certain points 
more than others, uh, that should be uh, considered. It's a lazy kind of approach just to think that, well, someone's initiating, so they're in the parampara. As if initiating was just like, you know, having a factory job or something like that. Like in a factory, you, you do the same movements. Nowadays, I guess they do it by machine, robots. So. But you just do the same thing over and over again. So, you know, here, here's some beads, here's some beads, here's some beads, here's some beads. But what does it mean to represent the parampara? Yeah, so um, by understanding who are the members of the parampara, what are their teachings, uh, we need to understand this to understand who is Srila Prabhupada and to represent him. Of course, uh, everything that we need to be fully Krishna conscious is in his books. Uh, but at the same time, to understand those books in context, uh, then we have to go to the context. Just like we see in each line of that song, it stated that uh, such and such was the disciple of such and such. What does it mean to be a disciple? How uh, are these devotees, these acharyas, why are their names included and not others? These are controversial points, even up to now. Why is... Uh, Bhaktivinoda Thakur's Diksha Guru, his name is not included in that list. So you may think, well, that's an obscure point. What does it matter? But, uh, I mean, in, in an ongoing controversy on following the uh, teachings of Srila Prabhupada, that uh, has become an important point. Uh, on the issue of whether or not there should be female Diksha Gurus. It's being cited that uh, the line that Bipin Bihari came in, the, the Diksha line, there's, there are so many uh, women in that line, I mean, who are initiating. Uh, then, uh, but we see that Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur traced the parampara not through the Diksha line coming from Janava Mata to Bipin Bihari to Bhaktivinoda, but through the uh, line of the great Acharyas who, uh, yeah, but through, through where, where the teaching, where the strength, where the life was. And it uh, is pertinent to note that Srila Prabhupada, although he spoke profusely, day and night, literally about Krishna consciousness. Uh, we don't have any record of him even once mentioning the name of Bipin Bihari Goswami. So, uh, yeah, this is an example of the kind of controversy that's going on between the followers of Srila Prabhupada. So, parampara jano bhalamati. We should know well what is parampara, what are the underlying principles, the spirit, uh, Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati noted that uh, it's only recently that the members of the Gorya Parampara have begun to study their own Parampara. Um, study one's own Parampara means uh, we have to uh, study the other Vaishnava Paramparas also to, because the Gorya Parampara uh, 
it appears to take principles from other paramparas. Uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu took various principles from different uh, Vaishnava parampara, various various sampradayas. So uh, it's not that the Gorya parampara is some, it's not trying to be a synthesis of the various sampradayas that were already extant. But rather, as uh, Bhaktivinoda Thakur suggested in his Navadidhama Mahatmya, that Acharyas who came previously, by the grace and desire of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, they manifested certain principles of Vaishnavism that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu later adopted, or, or later, yeah, later adopted. Not actually adopted, but it, it appears taking a uh, historical or chronological view, it appears like that. Sorry for the long sentence. So Bhaktivinoda Thakur, he uh, started this work of examining the uh, Gorya Sampradaya, its history, its teachings, in relation uh, to those of other Vaishnava Sampradayas. And Bhaktisiddhanta Thakur, uh, he took that work forward much more. Uh, he had uh, many uh, contributions to offer, but due to uh, uh, leaving this world, he wasn't able to bring into effect so many things that he wanted to do. Every Acharya does that. He doesn't do everything himself. He leaves service for others. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself did that. He left service for others. He said that Krishna consciousness would be preached all over the world, but he didn't personally do it. So, uh, Srila Prabhupada actually did that. He preached Krishna consciousness all over the world. And he said that, I have given the framework, now you have to fill it in. It's something like uh, building a skyscraper building. You you put the, the basic uh, girders and everything... But then all the, you know, the walls, the windows, the fittings, there's a huge amount of work. The basic structure is there, but the, there's so much work to do to make it a complete functionable, uh, functional building. So in the same way, to uh, fulfill the mission of Srila Prabhupada, there's immense service to do. And uh, a part of that is to study and understand our own parampara. There's so much work to do in running around here and there, just trying to establish Krishna consciousness in the world, that uh, philosophical pursuits, they may not seem to be very uh, important, not urgent. Uh, but that is uh, actually that's very much needed. Because uh, while we're going on spreading Krishna consciousness widely, uh, unless we have a deep understanding of what is Krishna consciousness, what are the teachings of the Acharyas, uh, then uh, there's a high possibility that we will become uh, detached from the spirit and the principle and the teachings of the Acharyas. And uh, many controversies which have already arisen and will more will continue to arise regarding how to represent Srila Prabhupada uh, 
for finding answers to that, we have to uh, look into the past and see what are the teachings of the previous Acharyas. How have they practiced and preached Krishna consciousness? Or rather to help us to get answers. So this may all seem very confusing. One approaches a guru to become free from confusion, as we see in the case of Arjuna approaching Krishna, Narada approaching Brahma, and so on. So uh, there's no need to be confused. You can uh, practically experience yourself that if you follow the practices of Krishna consciousness, uh, at least as they're being uh, practiced and taught here at Iskon Salem, then you will find that you are making progress in Krishna consciousness. You will become happy on the spiritual platform of service to Krishna. Okay, so like everything else, much more could be said about that. These are just uh, some thoughts of mine about uh, the service of Srila Prabhupada. I don't have many stories to tell of my own personal association with Srila Prabhupada. Uh, on occasions like this, we often like to hear various anecdotes of Srila Prabhupada's activities. <clears throat> and that is uh, important to hear these also. But from the beginning, my relationship with Srila Prabhupada was not personal in the sense of being in his personal association, but by service to his mission. So these musings which I've just expressed about serving Srila Prabhupada's mission, uh, that is uh, vital for our relationship with Prabhupada because we relate to him by service to his mission. All right, so now up till 12 o'clock we'll read offerings, Vyasa Puja offerings, and I'll start by reading mine. I think everyone has five minutes to speak, huh? but I, my offering will take more than five minutes to read. Now, I, I guess these all should be translated also. So, do you get five minutes or ten minutes? If you have five minutes, then your offering becomes becomes up to two and a half minutes. Okay, here's the uh, written offering that I sent for inclusion in Srila Prabhupada's Vyasa Puja book this year. Nama Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prashthaya Bhutale is my Vyasa Puja offering to Prabhupada, not yours. You can do yours later. I'll start again. Nama Ong Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prashthaya Bhutale Srimate Bhaktivedanta Swaminiti Namine Namaste Sarasvate Deve Gauravani Pracharine Nirvishesha Shunyavadi Paschatya Deshatarine Srila Prabhupada, only a fool would consider you anything less than a topmost perfect Paramahamsa, an ambassador from the spiritual world, a personal representative of Krishna. For one blessed with the eyes to see, everything about you evidences your extraordinary love for Krishna. As is profusely and lovingly described in, the, in this Vyasa Puja book, you are abundantly decorated with all the symptoms of a pure devotee. 
Yet you defy the pathetic, disgusting stereotype of a saintly person who wears a dreamy smile and is perpetually, quote, nice, unquote. Your unfathomable, unfathomable love for Krishna is manifest not simply by talking of love, compassion, and other such exalted virtues, but more realistically in your down-to-earth, service-oriented example, which defies the listlessness of so-called premi bhaktas, whose reputations rest on their narrating of gopi leelas, bathing in Radha Kunda, and other such esoterica. You demonstrated in practice how a devotee who loves Krishna strives against all opposition to establish his glories in this world. You did not care for reputation. You simply wanted to serve the order of your guru. Anyone who reads your books can readily understand that you are not at all sentimental, vague, or wishy-washy. You are a natural, unaffected saint, not an actor dancing according to the expectations of mindless people. Indeed, your profound compassion for the rebellious jivas often manifested as extraordinarily forceful attacks upon their foolishness and rascaldom. Among the many transcendental characteristics that distinguish you as the Jagat Guru, Krishna's selected emissary to this world, in my mind, one towers above all your unmitigated, uncompromisable commitment to defeat the enemies of your beloved Krishna. You especially targeted the Nirvisheshavadis who attempt to belittle Krishna by denying that he is categorically superior in every respect to all other living beings. Nirvishesha literally means not special, who claim latent or already attained parity with Krishna and whose mystic-sounding ambiguities are extolled as realized spirituality by persons so overwhelmingly insincere as to be attracted to such charlatans. Good luck translating all of that. <laughs> Do you know what parity means? It means equality. You can... In, in long sentences like this, you could break it down. You could say, you especially tell Nirvishesh who are kindly superior. Then again, the Nirvishesh are up to here. Then the Nirvishesh Vadis claim latent or already attained parity with Krishna. Again, stop. The, the Nirvishesh Vadis mystic sounded like that. I mean, you probably know that already. If you try to make it all into one sentence on the spot, it's a brain breaker. Srila Prabhupada, that you left Vrindavan to contest Mayavad amid the nastiness of America is a more convincing testimony to your love for Krishna than had you stayed in Vrindavan. Your Pranam Mantra, composed by yourself, describes what you consider to be the essence of your mission, service to Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati, Saraswati Devi, on this plane, Bhutale, by preaching the message of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Gauravani, and thus saving Tarine, the western countries, Paschatya Desha, from impersonalism and voidism, Nirvishesha Shunyavada. 
in accord with your mission and pertinent to the arena and ethos of your service, oh, 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 sorry. such extraordinary activities could be performed only by a devotee who is, exceptionally, who is exceptionally dear to Krishna. Krishna Prashtha. In accord with your mission and pertinent to the arena and ethos of your service, you emphasized and exemplified more the need to fight for Krishna than to discuss his Rasalima. For me, one particular anecdote narrated by Hayagriva Das in the Hari Krishna Explosion encapsulates your intense devotion to Krishna as manifested in Veera Rasa. In 1966, during one of your classes at 26 Second Avenue, after you had criticized Dr. Radha Krishna's comment that it is not to the personal Krishna that we must surrender, but to, quote, the unborn beginningless eternal who speaks through Krishna, unquote, you added, quote, this Mayavadi philosophy is worse than atheism, unquote. Thereupon Keith, the Mott Street denim-clad, quote, guru, unquote, later initiated as Kirtana Anandadas, launched a long spiel in defense of Dr. Radha Krishnan and Mayavad. He rambled on about the, quote, self and the one mind, unquote, quoting Shankara and Huang Po, Buddha and Christ, Spinoza and St. Paul, by, while you, quote, Swamiji, unquote, sat on the dice, your complexion turning red. After Keith finally wound down, you asked him, so, you have understood what we have been saying, that Krishna is God? Yes, Keith says. And that worship is due God? Yes, Keith says. Suddenly, Swamiji, red and furious, stands up. Then why do you want to take it away from Krishna? He roars, shaking the small storefront. It's Krishna! It's Krishna! He slams his ha hand down on the lectern. It's no unborn within Krishna! It's Krishna! We all sit stunned as if a lion had pounced on the dice. Prabhupada continues, Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, is directly telling Arjuna to me, worship me. And Dr. Radha Krishnan says that it is not to the person Krishna, but to some void. Just see what a nonsense rascal. Do you want to worship some unborn void instead of Krishna? Krishna is the absolute truth. His body mind and self are absolute. And he says, think of me, be devoted to me, worship me. And even Shankara says, Bhajagovindam, 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 worship Govinda, worship Govinda, worship Govinda. Your nonsense will not save you at death. And yet this rascal wants to take it away from Krishna. Do you want to follow such a rascal? Krishna says, worship me. Do you not understand? Then why are you saying it is not to Krishna? Why? Why not to Krishna? Next morning, we are declaring war, Swamiji says. War on Maya. Srila Prabhupada, by declaring war in the storefront, you risked losing your fledgling flock, the only followers, if at that stage they could be considered followers, 
that you had after several months in America, but you could not brook Mayavad, Brooklyn's tolerant. And for that reason, Krishna was to bless you most extraordinarily. Srila Prabhupada, please enlist me in your army without an option to retire. I beg for the benediction to be eternally engaged in your mission. May I be prepared to go anywhere throughout the universe, tolerating the difficulties of heat, cold, hunger, thirst, unpopularity, persecution, or whatever the material energy may throw at me, always happy to follow your orders, knowing that by doing so, Krishna will be pleased, and that hence there is nothing better for me to do. Of course, of course, words like these are easy to state, yet difficult to fulfill. If I could actually pray in that way from within my heart and be unhesitatingly ready to do anything and everything to serve you under all circumstances, then I might qualify as your genuine servant. Srila Prabhupada, my words are insufficient to praise you or to in any way approximate a sufficient portrayal of your innumerable divine qualities. Even if I were millions of times more pure and intelligent, I could not sufficiently extol you, for your glories are immeasurable. Nonetheless, I offer this with love, which also is a gift that you nurtured within us, so kindly accept it. Please uplift me and bestow upon me the qualification to finally be accepted as your eternal servant, the foolish Bhaktivikasa Swami.